Hey, everybody, welcome into another edition of Spits and Suds, where we talk Dallas Stars, NHL, and everything in between. It's a local hockey podcast for you, the DFW hockey fan. And I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, and I'm joined by EP Ringside, Shap Shots, D Magazine. I like to refer to him as my NHL guru. He is Sean Shapiro. How are you, sir? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. It's... uh... I looked at the calendar yesterday and I didn't realize that we're in a spot where we're less a month from today. Well, we should be talking about playoff hockey. Like it's something where it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's right around the corner, but then sometimes you look at the calendar and, yeah. and you realize like how close something is, which is, uh, which is, a, which is a good news for your Dallas stars, 11 games left first place in the West in the uh, first place in the central still. So good news, but also, uh, uh, a little bit of that uh, that crunch time to talk about other things too. So it's uh, it's playoff hockey's right around the corner. One of my favorite times of the year. So uh, it's can't complain at all. Do you play the game like I do, where I sit there and say, "Okay, it's a point. Was that a good point or a bad point?" You know, I like sometimes I play like last night. I'm like, "Yeah, okay, it's a good point." Scored in the last couple of seconds, so you did salvage a point. But should you have been in that position anyway? Yeah, like last, I'll actually go a little bit further from the last from the last two games, both the Seattle game and and the Calgary game. I'll go down the path where, obviously, winning and losing is the um, winning and losing is the is the end all be all, right? Like the team you get a win, that's the only stat that matters. But at the end yeah. of the year, if who wins sixteen games in the playoffs, that's who wins the Stanley Cup. But I look at the fact that. Uh, they got three out of four points from the last two games and the way it uh, has covered an issue that we're going to talk about today. uh, The way it's covered an issue. I I look at those as as good points. Those are the types of points that a good team banks when you're working through something else. Uh, So I look at it as good points. There's certain definitely things to be discussed about how it ended up being that way. You could almost argue uh, you, you could only, you, it's good point, bad point. I think, um, it's funny. I was, uh, it's funny you say this because on Monday night, um, I was talking to a GM of another NHL team and we were, he was talking about kind of at what point of the year are you allowed to have moral victories? And for, each team, the timeline kind of changes and everything like that. But basically, as the GM put it, he's like, if you're a playoff team, after March 15th, you don't get moral victories. Mm. It's, you're, you're judged on whether you, you win or lose. He used March 15th as the color. I like that. It's, it's like, okay, you can have moral victories in January and February and even the first half of March. But once March 15th comes around and you move on from then, this GM used it as the line where that's the spot where you either won or you're lost. And, and, and so for that reason, I, looking at it from that perspective, I think it's a good point. And it's something where it allows the stars to uh, work from a space of positivity when fixing some things. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, and so that, that's good. Um, obviously there's some nuance to that and uh, I'll let you, I'll let you get us going on that. Well, I think I think it's one of those things where I'm happy they got a point, but I mean at some point, mm-hmm. yeah, you got to start collecting the twos and 
Um, now yeah. you're dangerously close, and that's you know that's that's the thing. And uh, you know I understand that the schedule might favor the stars in some ways, but they've kind of proven this season that you just can't predict these games. So um, you know it, it is it is interesting. Uh, for the crowd's sake, I was really happy. Um, it was a great game to to go to. Um, and, you know, kudos, the stars now, you know, with empty nets have been very, very effective. So today I thought we'd go through each goal and bring up points that we'd normally talk about on the podcast. So the first goal was uh, Seattle, uh, Tanev with an amazing tip. But the question was, should Tanev have even been in that position? Which brings up Yanni Hockenpah, um, who... I, you know, kind of benched last night, um, didn't play his best. And I would say, is Yanni Hockenpah, my question to you, is he on the ice too much? Is because, I mean, I'm just not, I'm not seeing that guy right now. I'm seeing this guy, you know, get beat on a lot of plays. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it also brings up the fair point to, and I'm not even saying, it's there. It's not a like for like player, him and Nils Lundqvist, but it's also the type of thing where yeah, we're at the spot where there's mistakes that losing a guy like that. Those are mistakes that have cost Nils Lundqvist and led to healthy scratches. And yeah. so it's kind of one of the things where you are seeing a firsthand example of veteran status giving you the certain. Uh, chance to do more things and also the stars you look at their back end they really like having Hockenpah back there because they don't have many other guys like Hockenpah is as much as it's what you do with the size that matters there mm-hmm. is still an element of the you know the term like the off the bus team, right? Where like people will be like, "Oh, that's that like that." Those guys look tough. Those guys look difficult. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like there's there's something to be said where teams and GMs and coaches still like having those guys as part of like yes, as part of the build, and they look at, "Hey, we need we want this guy to do." We 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 like having that physical where someone looks over and they're like, "Oh man, we got to be worried about that guy," and Hockenpah was minus four last night. Yeah. Lost the guy on that one, like. I I'm at the spot where he looking at his usage and I know he scored against Calgary the other night, but looking at his usage, I guess I start to wonder if the stars are being overly. I wonder if they need to start mixing in some scratches for some other defensemen. Yes. You can even, and you can even place this as a, you can even use the word load management if you want. Right. I don't care what way you want to defend it. You can even just say it's like, hey, we're gonna go through basically everyone, everyone outside of outside of Miro and outside of Lindell and Hashkin, and we're gonna scr- over the next six games, we're gonna give everyone one game off just so we can have the freshest possible group for the playoffs. And I think that's a fine way to defend it. Yep. And I think there's, I think there's a couple defensemen on this team that could use a break like that. Yeah. Um, and, yep. And, and I'll, I'll also say yeah. not to jump ahead, but a yeah. later goal, Tanif's second goal of the night for the Kraken, it was actually Joel Hanley who was kind of muscled off the puck, which, yes. you know, continued Seattle in the offensive zone and they scored. And I thought after that, I'm like, okay, 
if you think Lundquist is too small or bad defensively, I'm not seeing like stellar defensive work from Joel Hanley either. And uh, yeah, Joel Hanley is just a very is is, is a stable guy. Yeah, when he's solid not player. stable, like he like Nils Lundqvist should be back in the lineup. Let's yes, just be, it's like and the fact of the matter is, it was kind of they went eleven seven against Calgary instead of going twelve six, and so he was back in, but it really wasn't because they didn't take anyone else out. Like this defense could you can definitely use the the shakeup of 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 scratches i think i think there is something healthy about it for certain guys when when it comes in and, and scratches so yep yep so mira hashkinen gets on the board and a weird goal uh on the stars power play to tie it at one where it kind of goes off the back and then goes off the cracking goalie and and goes in but i also thought to myself like you know when you shoot at the net good things happen and i understand he's having his best point production this year I just think after the All-Star break, Sean, I think we've seen a more aggressive Miro. And I don't know what you think of that, but I just find that he feels, you know, I wouldn't say he was uncomfortable as the quarterback of the power play, but we've had conversations about Klingberg being missed. And Mm -hmm. I just feel as though after the All-Star break, there has been another level up for Miro. Yeah, we've seen that. I think we've definitely seen that. I'm, I'm curious on the, um, obviously he didn't plan for the hard bounce off the end boards off Joey Deport's head and into the net, but <laughs> there is something to be said. Um, I think we've seen more out of the stars power play where we've seen Miro shoot wide on purpose um, and not necessarily shooting to score. Now he did score on that play. I think we've seen more out of Miro in the second half of the season of taking that intentionally wide shot where it gets where you have, where it basically allows um, either a Joe Pavelski or a Jamie Ben or a rope at whoever you have in front of the net to kind of extend the net front to basically when you're looking at that tip, you're basically trying to shooting wide kind of on purpose where a tip comes back in at an even tighter angle. And I think we've seen more of that out of Miro. Um, it's something that, uh, the boards at AA at American Airlines Center are not nearly as springy as the old uh, the, the old the old boards in Detroit at Joe Louis Arena were known like across the league as being like the springiest boards in NHL history. And like Nick Lidstrom, one of the greatest defensemen of all time, ran the pow- ran a pow- point power play from the point using shooting wide on purpose so often, just using those boards as like a even if it wasn't tipped, it created a huge bounce off and. Um, the boards at AAC are, I would say, probably have a little bit more juice than most places, not overly bouncing. I think we've seen more of that this year with the Stars and with Miro. And to me, that's just kind of more and more of adjusting and knowing you're the guy and understanding what works and being a little bit more creative almost in it too. And so it's it's a good sign to see. And obviously, if if he call if he call if he called if he called bank shot off of that, I'd be stunned. But uh, <laughs> the fact the fact he was shooting kind of wide to create something, I think that is intentional. Even if he wasn't really aiming for the the hard bounce backboards to cords heading in. So yeah, yeah, a- absolutely. And it's good to see because I mean we know the defensive plays there. It's just it's great that you see that he's more uh, aggressive. Now, on the next play, which I think is a bigger subject, two things, and yeah. I'll let you start. One, um, odd man break, which 
I wanted to talk to you about because I feel as though that's happening way too often. Um, but the bigger picture was a goal that Jake Ottinger would normally start, uh, stop, gets beat on the short side, and you have a bigger picture with Jake that you wanted to talk about. So wherever you want to yeah. go. Yeah, I mean, this is actually uh, like – it's a play where Essa Lindell actually plays the two on one pretty well. Like it's, it's a break, but Essa Lindell plays the two on one pretty yeah. well. Um, takes away the pass completely. Daniel Sprong is looking shot the entire time and Ottinger gets beat five hole on this. And uh, he, he gets beat five hole on a clean shot. That's a shot that an NHL goalie, frankly has to save. And um, we'll talk more about this, but I, I'll get into this topic now. Ottinger, it's been, Kind of an alarming, and Jake acknowledged after the game, he's let up 10 goals in the past two games, and they have three points out of four, so it's kind of one of the reasons, it's kind of one of the things I was alluding to at the top of the show, where um, you're winning, so you can kind of work from a teaching, a, a positive standpoint to fix things. Um, but Ottinger's last, and I sent this over to you, Gavin, as a... Uh, yeah, great as reference. A, as, 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 as a point of reference. Um, and I'll, I'll make sure to put this, I'll tweet this out with the podcast episode when it goes out there so people can see it as well. Uh, but so Ottinger for the season has been pretty, I mean, shots on the ice through the five hole, uh, pretty good, really good, actually. Um, 90, not, let me make sure I've got it right here. He's got a, I hit here it is. 92 save 92% save percentage on shots through the five hole this season. This season. Past past five games, 81% save percentage on shots at the five hole. And it's something where if you look at the way Ottinger's been playing and you look at him, and he's just not as um He's he's not as calm right now. Like he's not as he's not as composed. He's not as calm. He's a little bit more hectic. And one of the places you see that to start to break down is with the stick position and on the ice. And you see in the five hole. And we're seeing some more holes right there on the ice with an Ottinger lately. And that's something that is is concerning because you you can't have those type of holes. You the, the goal he allowed. Last that first goal, that's a goal he cannot allow as an NHL goaltender, especially as you go into a playoff series or anything like that. You have to make that save. Yeah. With Ottinger, I wonder, and I've I've brought this up on the podcast before. We're at the spot where he wants to be a number one, and he is a number one, and he is a number one by current NHL standards. But if he wants to be an elite Vesna level goalie. You can't, he's hitting, he's hitting that mark. He's hitting a mark where Andre Vasilevsky doesn't hit a wall at 54 games. Connor Hellebuck doesn't hit a wall at 54 games. Jake is kind of at the spot. He's maybe his 54th, fifth mm-hmm. played his 54th game maybe the season last night. He played 55 NHL games last year. And he was obviously, and he was a little bit more spaced out and everything like that. Like, the consistency, and if you want to be that guy who's a top five goalie in the league, 
you got to be able to take care of yourself. You got to have that consistency that, and I'm not even, I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying that he doesn't take care of us. I'm just saying this is also a mental thing. There's yeah. a line of where do you, where do you go that, how do you, how do you avoid the drop off when you've played your 55th game of the season? How do you do that? And this is where we start to see the maturity and the definition of, is Jake and, and and also frankly defines what the Dallas Stars will look like over the next couple of years. Is Jake Ottinger a one A, or is Jake Ottinger a true number one? And that is what we're going to learn. And I and I I hope he's a true number one because maybe this is just two bad games and he, he gets through it. But if he's going to be good for fifty to fifty five games a year, you can't be signing the Scott Wedgwoods of the world. You need a one B, a true one B yeah. that really pushes. You need a all of a sudden if if Jake Ottinger is a one A, he's kind of uh he's he's in the spot where you start to look at like he's making the four million right now, which is I think is a fair value for someone who's a one A, but from Jake's perspective, if when he becomes an RFA of 25, 26, if he wants to make more than if he wants to be, if he wants a raise into that, like true bona fide number one money range, he's got to be, he's got to prove he's a true number one. And it's one thing to do it on a level of when you come in and you're playing and you're getting 50 starts in the season, and then you're going into the playoffs another thing to do it when you're getting the 50 60 starts in the season you're consistent throughout i just we're, i think we're just about to learn a lot about ottinger for for better or worse yeah. of how does he handle this is kind of this is kind of a wall he's got to fight through it's it's not a it's it's almost like sometimes we talk about like a rookie wall with like guys who we've talked about with Wyatt johnston where we're like oh is it gonna be game 60 is it gonna be game 70 when is Wyatt johnston gonna hit a wall like there's a goalie wall. There's a goalie wall mm-hmm. that some guys can fight through and some guys can't. It's the reason that um, uh, one of the reasons, like a guy who is the classic version of an NHL backup, um, uh, Yaroslav Halak, right? Yep. Yaroslav Halak is someone who is a great backup goalie in the league if he's playing 40 games. But anytime he starts to, I've, I've talked to people in the to goalie coaches who look like anytime you start moving past the 40 game mark with 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 Halak his game would start to falter. And that's kind of the difference. And and so Ottinger, he needs to get more secure. He needs to clean up his game. Um, the five hole is, is concerning right now. And even some of the goals he let up and we'll continue to go through this, but like even some of the goals he let, he's let up in the past two games, even on ones where they were great chances. I'm not exactly liking how he's looking save selection wise. And how he's coming across, where it's not the same confident, smooth, composed Ottinger we saw in Calgary, where some of those goals, I'm not upset as much. This one, I'm upset about the goal itself. But there are some of the goals where I'm not as much upset that the puck went in. I'm more upset in how Ottinger looked as the puck went past him because there's some of the cases where you're like, okay, you know what? That's a blown defensive coverage. But I'm still concerned about how Ottinger played it or how his balance was like there was a two on as we go through this one there was one uh in both this game and the Calgary game where it's a two on one where Ottinger at his best gets across clean and stays up he may not make the save but he gets across clean and this one he ends up he's kind of he's he's ending up on his back which tells me there's some balance off there so it's 
I know I'm armchair quarterbacking this, but when you want to win a Stanley Cup and the Stars have legitimate Stanley Cup aspirations, you, I mean, Stars had to go get Ed Belfort to win the Stanley Cup in 99. Yeah. You, yeah. Need, you, you need a goalie. You need goaltending to not be something we're discussing like this if but, you're going to win a Stanley And Cup. I wonder if the 1B, Sean, goes back to the contract of Ben Bishop and then the contract of Anton Hudobin, and then those resources were spent, so therefore you had to go yeah. out and get a Wedgwood. So you, that, you thought and, and you that, had and, those and, options. Yeah. And that may be the case. And that's kind of, that's frankly, that's is what Dallas did uh, last year when they had, uh, when they had um, Braden, when they signed Braden Holtby last yeah. year too. And they made, and they, and they kind of worked all that stuff together and that's fine. Just it's, it's the key question of if you're Dallas and especially with like, it's kind of, you talk about Wedgwood's injury, like the fact that what was supposed to be a short-term thing is now nagging and everything like that. Like to me, all of a sudden you're at the spot where you're Dallas, like you kind of have to be thinking about, are we looking for a one B this coming off season? Because you may be having to, like if, if it's just the reality of it, the most valuable thing a backup goalie can have. And Scott Wedgwood doesn't have it right now is health. Like yeah. you can't have your backup be a guy, be the guy who gets injured. Like it's, I, I it's very cruel to say it this way. But Scott Wedgwood is not valuable to the franchise if he's not durable because you need the backup to be ready. Yeah, and and, and the, so the, it's the other question is is have they seen enough about have they seen enough Murray? And I don't. And it's it same thing with that. Like, did he? He's been. He. I. I didn't mind what he did. Yeah. But I also. <laughs> I, I'm also not sold on on. I'm also not sold on. If I needed to start, if if I needed to start him in a in a do or die game, would I be? Would I do it? I do it. I don't think so. So that's it's it's very the goaltending situation is something where I I know I know it's it's easy to be like oh well we saw what Jake did in the playoffs last year against Calgary and that was great yeah that was great and maybe and maybe this is just a two game skid but it's the key right now is we need to learn how Ottinger comes out of this we need to see what he does I'm I'm happy that he came out and acknowledged he needs to be better that's I think that's a big step for. Yeah a young goaltender and everything like that. So um, it's just, it is a, it is an area of concern that is, that is real. Yeah. Um, and you're going to get, you may get this Seattle team in the first round. It's, this was possibly a first round yeah. playoff matchup preview. And before the last couple of games, you would have been like, okay, the stars have an edge and goal. Right now, based off the last two games, they don't. Now, maybe we're overreacting two games. Maybe, but maybe it's a trend. We need we we need to give Ottinger the next week to basically kind of tell us who he is for the rest of the season. I would also say that I think the quality chances that the opponents are getting are better than the first half of the season. Um, I, I mean, and, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yes, and, and yes, you're right. You're, but, I yeah, totally yes, agree yes. with all the points you said about Ottinger, yeah. and I think you know me well enough. I'm a I'm an Ottinger guy. You know, have been since his hockey East days. I'm yeah. a big fan, but at the same time, I completely agree with you. He needs to be better. And that wall, you're right. It is the perfect time to discuss the wall. Um, I just think these odd man breaks. I mean, to me, yeah. it's like I understand that's part of DeBoer's system. But if it continues to happen like this, there has to be a point where the coaching staff says, 
you know, we got to be better. And if our defensemen are going to pinch in the offensive zone, you got to make sure the forward's paying attention and not letting someone get behind you. And or you, you know, you got to push back yeah. so you alleviate. I just feel like, and I don't want to, you know, not just, I feel like we're back in Lindy Ruff days. But I mean, yeah. I remember when Lindy Ruff was coaching, it seemed like that would happen on a regular basis where there were all these odd man rushes against the Stars. And they had great success in those years, too. So it's yeah. just one of those things where I, I understand, you know, it's that fine line between you want more offensive hockey, but you don't want to be, you know, caught in the offensive zone. You need to get back. Yeah. So. Uh, and, and, and that's a perfect segue to, so we go to the, the second period, right? Where the McCann goal, which yeah. is another, um, it's one of those where it's the odd, it's the two on one nice play by Everly. Everly's been, Everly's been, I mean, I knew, I, I've said this before. I knew Everly was good, but I feel like he's found like another level in Seattle since he went there. Um, but nice play by him to set up McCann and yep. everything like that. But it's, it's one of those plays where, McCann's just kind of able to sneak in yeah. no one goes in with them. And I also really don't like, he talked about Hockenpah and the Tanev goal. Like I, I as, as Essa Lindell played the two on one really well, that Sprung scored on. Mm-hmm. I thought Hockenpah just kind of got caught in no man's he land. Did. And, and it was, well, it was a two on one. It felt more like a two on O. So that, that one was, yeah. that one's not as much on Ottinger. And the only issue with Ottinger is I just, he comes across, he's not looking as balanced as he normally is. But on that one, it comes back to more and more of the question of, like, Nils Lundqvist should play the next game. If Nils Lundqvist doesn't play the next game, right. I have no understanding. We start asking, what is going yeah, what's going yeah. on. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I will add, and this is one thing for, like, Stars fans um, that I I like doing. I don't know if you do, Sean, but, you know, you, when a goal happens, I hit pause, and then I go back because I want to watch like the previous minute before that. And what you would see was actually the stars were on a three on two. So they had the odd man rush and they, they were putting pressure on Seattle, but you know, then they got caught and that's, that's what's kind of interesting. It was up and down hockey for a while, but you know, for the stars to be on a three on two odd man rush. And then the other way it comes two on one, you know, clearly, you know, someone lost coverage and you're right. Hockenpah, I just felt as though at that point, you know, I don't want to read his mind, but I just felt as though it didn't have that like aggressive confidence that you'd like out of a defenseman. It kind of like he was just backing up and didn't, you know, didn't aggressively figure out, all right, what am I well, going to do? You, you got to, you either got to take the pass away. Right. You didn't, or you have to go take the, you have to, or you have to close faster or you have to close faster, and he didn't do that either. He just did the no man's land thing, and it was the worst possible thing to do in that situation. Yeah, yeah, a- absolutely. So the Stars make a comeback. Um, it brings up the Ben Dodonoff Johnston line. Um, boy, they've played so well. Um, you know, what I love about that, where Wyatt Johnston had the goal on the offside, terrific pass by Jamie Ben. Through the crease, but if you look at it, I think Dodonoff thought the pass was coming to him. But what I love about this NHL veteran is the little things, and he knew to get into the front of the net, which curled off two Kraken players, which left the Wyatt Johnston wide open. He dove because he thought the puck was coming for him, but the fact that he was in the right space that allowed the Kraken had to make a decision, and they made a split-second decision, left Wyatt Johnston open, terrific pass for Ben. I mean, this line has just been so great this year, and I just have such confidence when the three of them are on the ice. 
Yeah, I mean, Dodonov's been such an underrated, underrated, um, wow, under underrated signing for yeah. um, like tra- sorry, trade. He's he, people will look, um, and it was. I mean, when they when they traded away Gurionov, part of it was uh, addition by subtraction with Gurionov, but they have gotten so much more than I think they would have expected with Dodonov, and it's like Jim Nill deserves a ton of credit for that deal. So. I completely agree with you, and you know it's to the point where, hey, Stars Twitter, it's okay. Let Dennis Gurionov score goals. I mean, I'm happy for him. But you gotta well, look yeah, at yeah, you yeah. gotta look at what you yeah. got, you know, in return. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so we already talked about the TANF second goal, mm-hmm. five fifteen remaining. Um, a goaltender interference is called uh, against Max Domi in the crease. A real nice mm-hmm. shot from Ty Delandria. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, he was pushed into the goalie, but I felt as though that was the definition of goaltender interference because although he was pushed, at that point I felt as though Domi was straight up and didn't really make a move outside the crease. I wanted to see what you saw on that. Yeah, it was one where um, the lack of – I'm not as much concerned about the push – it's more of the lack of effort by Domi to yeah. get out of the crease. There's a difference between being on the edge of the crease and, and looking like that. And then there's just standing literally where the goalie would normally play his position and showing no effort to move. And that's kind of, for me, I'm okay with that being, I'm, I'm, ha- I'm, I'm happy with that one being goalie interference for that. So. Yeah. Yeah. So the stars go extra attacker and Clearly, they've practiced this, and if they haven't, I mean, kudos on that play. Ben with, once again, another amazing pass to a streaking Dodonov coming off the bench, and my question for you is, did he mean to pass that to to Pavelski? Looking at the stick angle, it appeared he did. Pavelski with a tap-in. I just thought it was a beautiful play with the extra attacker coming on the ice. Yeah, I mean, whether it's it's an intentional pass to Pavelski or a pass a shot pass to that area I think it's it's drawn up that way where the stars know that and the stars are very good especially with the extra attacker of making sure there's someone around there with their stick on the ice around the net and that's something where um it being new to Dallas and everything like that and to Donald, but you, you know Joe Pavelski's going to be there you know someone's going to be there so uh that's the you work on that stuff you work on building that up and that's that is uh that that's a great play so <laughs> it it really was and then frantic final moments and Jamie Ben with 0.7 seconds left scores to uh tie up the game and so I did something interesting because you know during games um a lot of people you know stars aren't getting calls and everything like that so I yeah. went I went to Star's Twitter and <laughs> then I went to Seattle Kraken uh Twitter. A little bit of a difference there. And um let's just say Jamie Ben created space to get in front of the net. Um It's it's I mean it's you know what? It's a cross check, but yeah. also at the end of the day It was a great play. It's it's, it's a play that I'm not <laughs> From, and I hate to say it this way, but because it, it's true, because I'm someone who believes that you should call penalties the same way, whether it's in the last second or the first second of the game. Yep. But from a situational awareness as a player, especially as we go into the stretch run, you know anything goes in front of a net. It's just the reality of it. Whether you like that or not, 
it's true. And that's so Ben created space. He finishes the play stars force overtime. Yeah. And I, something, something I want to bring up right now, just yeah. because yeah. people are always, uh, so on that play, we talked about Miro already getting some offensive. Miro Heishkin had had his 50th, 50th assist of the season last night. Wow. On that 50. So, yeah, but you go into this year and everyone talks about like, ah, you know what? Miro needs to do more offensively. He needs to do more. He's not, he'll never win a Norris because of that. He has as many assists as Rasmus Dallin. Mm. Do you remember when, do you remember when Rat, like, remember the start of the year when everyone's like, oh, Rasmus Dallin is redefining the defense. Like, yeah, yeah. He, he has many as many assists as Rasmus Dahlin. He's got he's four away from he has four less than Josh Morrissey, who has played two more games. Um, like he other I mean, quit so he's he's in a group with him, Adam Fox, Dahlin. They all have, they're all between 50 and 54 points. Obviously, Eric Carlson is having an incredible year with yep. 65 assists already for San Jose. And Quinn Hughes is having a quietly as quiet when Hughes is having as quietly as good as an offensive yeah. as a defenseman can yep. on a very bad team yep. and has 62 assists. Uh, like Quinn Hughes, I think there would be more noise about what Quinn Hughes is doing this season if he had more than five goals. Um, but like Miro Heishkinen is, is he won't win it this year, but you talk about the offensive base to win a Norris, it's there now. Like it, it is, it is there. It yep. is. The, the the offensive base to win a Norris trophy is there. And now it's all about, it just starts to become more and more of the reputation thing. So it's, um, so that's good. It gets, helps the stars get a point. Yeah. And then uh, you, you go to overtime. Yeah. And you, you, you bring up a point that I was going to ask you, and I didn't know yeah. if it was a June topic for us, yeah. but just the Norris trophy and what it's become and how much, because to me, it seems as though the two highest points are offensive production now, as well as time on ice. And mm-hmm. I just wonder, like, how much, how much uh, of the defensive statistics are in play now when it comes to deciding who will be in the Norris running. So, as someone who has voted on NHL awards before, it's the issue becomes. The issue becomes there's certain awards where we don't have a the, the award is defined. I want to be clear on that. The award is defined. It's the player. At, I believe the the quote unquote award is most outstanding in his position. The award is defined, but too often it's become a people vote and they look at points and they look at and and I think I think it's gotten better to a level of of, of people looking at the defensive analytics of things and, and all of that stuff and, and the true numbers. Um, but it's still not, uh, it, it's it still be, it's, it is still heavily a point award. Like the fact of the matter is Eric Carlson will probably win the Norris this year. And whether you, he's having, he's having a great year offensively and, and all of that stuff. But at the end of the year, Eric Carlson's a defenseman, and I know once again, I know plus minus is not the greatest stat, and I'm not trying to use that as the main thing. But I still like it on, uh, on the simple, <laughs> no, but uh, but on the simple line, on the simple line of a defenseman who is minus fourteen. Yeah, that, that means 
the majority of the time they are i agree so it's it, it is it is not the greatest stat i'm not pretending it's the greatest stat uh but just from a level of is eric carlson the best defenseman in the nhl i mean i would argue if he really was far and above the way he is the way he's doing it points style this year a team would have found a way to make his contract work. Yeah. Someone who would have traded for him at the deadline. Yeah. Yeah. No, so. I, I, I agree. And uh, thank you. That's uh that's awesome. And that's what I love about doing this podcast folks is that's in depth from a former voter of these uh, categories. So more frustrated that Tyler Toffoli got behind you earlier <laughs> or Adam Larson in overtime gets by you, not the swiftest of foot. Now I have to say, you know, I mean, amazing game. I, I think Adam Larson's a terrific story and everyone forgets that Adam Larson was traded for Taylor Hall, Edmonton, New Jersey, and, you know, played in Edmonton for a while, gets picked up. I mean, Adam Larson at one time, correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, was that quote unquote shutdown guy and just a quality defenseman. And he's having a really good year for the Kraken. I just think it's a, it's a, it's a nice story that the NHL vets putting together. Yeah, it, it is, and it's it's also put the uh, it's also put our friendly uh, our friendly Dallas Stars in a very uh, interesting position as far as uh, one game away from history now, I believe, as far as the NHL record for overtime losses in a season is eighteen. And that includes shootout losses too. So they're at 17 overtime slash shootout losses now. So wow. they are at the spot where the stars are. I mean, if they lose one more game in overtime over the next 11 games, which honestly probably will happen based on who this team is. Yeah. They will at least tie the record for most overtime losses in a season in the NHL, uh, in a regular season. And you know what? On the on Adam Larson real quick. I love seeing it. Like, I think things, chances open up like that in three on three. It's fun to see some surprising heroes on that. And I think with that Seattle team, you almost have to have guys like that because it's a team where you look, and I think Maddie Beneers has true star power, but across that team, it's not like, oh, you know, they're going to roll out these three guys for overtime. They have to attack in waves and they attack in waves, even in overtime. And, that's why that Seattle team is going to be a tough matchup in the first round. It's going to be a tough matchup for whoever whoever gets them right now. It looks like it, it might be Dallas in the first round, so that would be something. So mm-hmm. um, just uh, it was a, it was a, it was a if you're sitting back and watching, it's a fun hockey game. If you're if you're if you're if you're Dallas overall out of that game, you look at it and you're like, hey. We've got three out of our last four points. Yeah. We've let up. We've let up too many goals. We've let up. We let up 10 goals in the last two games. Our goalie needs to be a little more solid. We also need to be a little bit more stout ourselves and going into the next game. Like you need to play. You need to play Nils Lundqvist. And it's just, I think that's, that's the reality of all of this right now. The stars need to figure out. Because Miro Heshkinen played as good as he was last night. He played 30 minutes. He played more than 30 minutes last night. And I I don't mind Miro Heishkin playing more than 30 minutes come April 17th when game one of the playoffs is. But I don't want Miro playing 30 minutes a night, game 72 through 82, 
and him getting run through a wall now you need you need the rest of your defense to step up now so you can have the best thing on the ice for yourself in i mean the other thing too is just like and these are such important games gavin right like i look yeah. at the central standings right now they're tied with minnesota the avalanche have a higher points percentage with two games to play like yeah. the avalanche like it's it is you are a playoff team i believe you are a playoff team i don't think there, there's not enough time in the schedule to not be in the top three, but there is a lot to play for when it comes to seeding right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And a few weeks ago you brought up uh, that it would be interesting with the Matty Beneers, Wyatt Johnston, you know, kind of match up if Wyatt Johnston can catch some ground as far as rookie of the year. And now we fast forward and Wyatt Johnston has scored in five straight games do you think any progress has been made? I mean, progress, yes. Of course, okay. there's progress. <laughs> but uh, you're still, it's, it's still. It's, it, it's the, the question of all uh, the, the question of winning Rookie of the Year award. Um, Beneers still has the eight point edge on anyone else. Uh, he's playing, he's a, his role, he's a first line, he's a first line center. Um, I am interested. I am really interested to see, though, if Johnston's push, though, has um, made it so that he will be if has he won, has he has he has he stolen that third spot on the all rookie team? Because um, for the all the all rookie team, they just do three. They don't it doesn't go by. It doesn't go by center wing, uh, left wing, center right wing. It's just three forwards. And so um before kind of Wyatt's push, I had a feeling he was probably going to be left on the outside looking in when it comes to even the all rookie team. But now when you're building the all rookie team and you're looking at it, it's kind of hard not to look at the forwards and be like, okay, it'll be Beneers, Beneers, McTavish and Johnston. Like, I think he has, he has got, he is with what he's done in the past couple of games, he's made that push to be on the all rookie team. I think get a, get some Calder votes now. I don't think he'll, it's hard to see him. It's it's hard. He has at least made the case for he may get an invite. Actually, he may get an invite to Nashville for the awards. That'd be cool. He, he may be in the top three. He's not yeah. going to win it. Like I like there's I just I don't see any way of it happening. I don't see anyone other than Veneers winning this award. But he may have at least played himself into the conversation of. It'll be a far, it'll be a far gap between Beneers and whoever finishes second and third. But Wyatt Johnson may be in the top three now and yep. may get an invite to the award ceremony, which would be pretty cool. Okay, so now we look forward to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, of note, Pittsburgh is in Colorado tonight, so they'll be coming off a back-to-back. And mm-hmm. that's interesting because Pittsburgh is really going to have an effect on the Central Division standings the next two nights. And they're fighting for a playoff spot. They're one point out in the wild card race. So clearly um, they have a lot of incentive the next couple of games. So it'll be really interesting. Anytime Pittsburgh comes to town, it's a lot of fun um, and a good test for the stars. And, you know, candidly, a good test for the avalanche. So the next two days kind of crucial as far as central division standings. And uh, Pittsburgh's a team right now where you talk about desperate, desperate things. Right yes. now. You look out East They've lost four in a row. The Panthers are have surged ahead of them. Um, this is a team that they need to get things done, especially because 
the big theme of the Eastern Conference this year is everyone is great against the West. It's just that's the yep. most almost every team in the East, except for some of the bottoms, have winning records against the West. And so when you get the Western Conference teams, if you're an Eastern Conference team, you have to bank points. You have to get that in the bag. And so Pittsburgh coming off, obviously, tough back-to-back for Pittsburgh. They will be desperate. And if they lose tonight against Colorado, they will be even more desperate. So it is a it is a it is a team that uh you talk about a team that where you get a kind of a chance to feel that playoff atmosphere and feel the and, and feel the chance to kind of have that playoff intensity. This game will bring that either way. And yeah. so I yeah, no, I, I think it's I think it's great. And, you know, I mean, every game's important this time of year. I, I just love that Pittsburgh's in Colorado tonight. So it kind of adds to the uh, dramatic, and you're right, they're a desperate team right now. So that's going to do it for Spits and Suds. We've got 45 minutes. We broke down a lot of goals, Mr. Shapiro. And uh, at the same time, we got a lot of good subjects in. So you are absolutely a beast. And uh, thank you as always. And we will talk to you after the Pittsburgh game on Friday. Sounds good. And Gavin, everyone have a good rest of the week and uh, should be a fun one Thursday. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening to another edition of Spits and Suds. Did want to throw in there. Yep. Cheap plug coming for you. If if you like this, uh, spread the word. Download, favorite. You know, we continue to grow and it's important that we spread the love for DFW hockey. As you heard today, Sean gave you a perspective as far as, you know, voting uh, for Miro and how it happens as far as the Norris Trophy. So we're giving you this inside information as well as the Ottinger stats and and more and more. We try to really just try to take you behind the curtain and give you insights to help you become a better hockey fan and become you become a better uh, Dallas Stars fan. Heck, I enjoy the podcast because I learn a lot from these uh, from Craig and Sean as well. So. Until uh, next time, thank you so much for listening and supporting Spits and Suds on 105.3 The Fan. Have a great day.